The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Joe DeFalco. Joe, you're going into a big weekend here with Survival of the Fittest coming up here on the 10th, which is Sunday at 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. You can catch it on Fight Plus, of course. Uh, and uh, if you're in the area, come on down and check out the show. Uh, ticket sales are going pretty good, correct? Yeah, they're all right. We, we, we've had better. We, you know, usually at this point, uh, almost all the front row are gone. We still have some, which, you know, ain't a lot, but, you know, we still have, you know, 12. And you, you know how we like to squeeze in more if we can. And, you know, so we definitely have uh, the opportunity for a great uh, front row seat, 45 bucks. Uh, is it is it uh, possible that you uh, might have to put a couple of the future shock guys on the show just to bring in? A... <laughs> yeah, that, you never know. That, that that could be a possibility. There, there, there is room for a pre-show match. So you know, I may put it out there. The two the two biggest sellers. Because yeah. if you're the third biggest seller, what are you going to do? Tell people not to come to the show if you've right. already sold the ticket. Kind of like, you know, that, that, that wouldn't be good for business in the long run. Right. <laughs> um, looking at, uh, you know, the card, uh, we've talked the last couple of weeks of uh, how logistics are going to play with um, travel and getting, uh, you know, from the airport to the Silver Nugget. Uh, any concerns right now that... Uh, uh, you know, the, <laughs> not necessarily in the guys traveling, but in the uh, crew who are going to be assigned to get the guys to the building. <laughs> does it does it ever bother you or, or make you worry that uh, you know that people who are assigned certain jobs might uh, not get the job done in a uh, timely manner? Uh, yeah, that, that, that does affect me all the time because to me, it's pretty simple. Okay. You're coming in on Southwest, be it passenger pickup. You know, if, if you get the information, you know, you could park in that free self parking area for 15 minutes or something like that. So for example, Royce and Jarrell are coming in at seven Oh five. Well, it's Southwest the flights at five fifty five from LA. Well, if it leaves on time, it'll get there before 7.05. So be prepared to be there, you know, 6.55 just in case. They're not going to bring 
you know, checked bags, they're going to bring a carry bag. So once they're done, they're going to leave and they're going to go out the door. And it's amazing how difficult it is to either make the passenger or the pickup guy understand meeting a passenger pickup. You know, it's pretty self-explanatory, you know. But somehow they find themselves on the cab line sometimes. Oh, I'm over here. And it's like, why would you be there? It says passenger pickup. You're not taking a cab. You're not taking an Uber. So I'm hoping Royce and Jarrell have done this enough so it shouldn't be an issue. Right. And uh, we had one of our younger guys, Jonathan, and he helped out last time and it went pretty smoothly. So, you know, sometimes, you know, the thing is, usually somebody who's helpful in one spot is probably helpful in another. Right. So it was like we were running around. Kaylee wasn't able to do the music. She had to work. I was running the door. NJ wasn't there as usual until five minutes before the show. So I thought I had to do commentary but I ended up was going to have to do the, the sound for the entrance music, yeah. you know, and I kind of explained to him really quick and, and he kind of handled that, didn't really have any hiccups. But you want to make sure there's somebody who knows what they're doing. So if she's not going to be there, who's our main person and I'm running the door. Well, he could do it, but now he can't because he's got to go to the airport. Now you got to find another competent individual and it's pretty tough because you know we only have 30 of them to find one competent individual you know usually you can find somebody pretty easy to get the gear like they usually don't screw that one up too bad you know so but it's like placing people and making them understand and it's like why are 14 of you up against the back wall by the doors of the silver nugget doing absolutely nothing you know and then we got our camera guy corbin he's very helpful but corbin always has his old time wrestling stuff that he tries to sell but then he takes one of my students and puts him on the table and it's like bro that's not how it works you're a student you fucking help me and you help fsw you don't help corbin you help me and it's just like like i can't believe i was that dumb at that that age i really can't well you know you and you probably had better hair than most people at that age too oh that that that's not even a question um when you uh look at the uh the silver nugget you know, we talked the generators uh, or the, the power itself was down. Uh, so we talked a little bit here before we went on. The uh, power is back. Uh, is there anything else with uh, the Silver Nugget that uh, you had to address or is everything pretty much set to go? Yeah, we've been there enough. It's been eight months since we've done a show, but we were there for setup and everything for GCW in May. So... Uh, you know, it's the same crew. I like being there because 
you know, there's some of those, you know, short givings that, yeah, maybe this could be done better and that can be done better. But overall, they, or at least the main people there, act like they're happy that we're there. Sure. Not the, hey, we're doing them a favor type of thing. Right. It's like, like genuinely, there's people who work there that bring their kids and they come and they like what we're doing and they like the shows and they know we're professional. We bring a pretty good crowd and they don't put themselves above everything. And again, maybe it's the silver nugget compared to a corporate casino. You know what I mean? It's like Sam's town, Silverton. They're all that way as if they did you a favor. And it was like, oh, I can't believe it. I didn't think, I, I figured we'd be back at the Silverton. And it's like, well, it's not worth $1,500 extra to be there. Right. It's like, oh, well, we got to pay for the lighting guy. Oh, well, why, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. It's written in the contract. And it's like, I got to pull teeth to get lights. Like, you, you know the event we're running. So we're not running a concert where all the lights are going to be going toward the stage. They're going to be going right underneath where the ring is. And it's like, you know, it was discussed. And, and everything's like, well, you know, we need to do things differently. And It's like, your people didn't do fucking shit. You know, and initially it was, oh, yeah, for the price, you know, you, pay, you know, we handle everything. Well, we set up all the, we set up everything. We set up every chair. We had to remove every chair. And I was like, whoa, you just said this was the price. And now again, you kind of changed it up. And the Silver Nugget, hey, we told them, give us, a, give, us, give us the room. We'll set up the chairs, set up the stage, just provide the piping and drape. And, you know, we had a makeshift ramp until we got one. But they would, you know, they might be slow. They might not have cleaned the room from the Kinsiera that night in time, you know, quick enough for what we wanted, but they got it done. Yeah. And when we're there, I don't feel like a hassle. I don't feel like an outsider. And that's way more important to me than, than a lot of other stuff. It, it's not like the silver, t like again, Sam Sound had the great dressing rooms and they had a shower in there and they had everything. Well, Silverton, we have a tent in the show where we did there, the wind was 80 miles an hour and everything's blowing away and all this other stuff. And, you know, we don't get access to the room to a certain amount. Oh, if we go over, it's a certain amount. And it's like, it's a fucking Sunday at nine o'clock. You guys have no sh you have nothing to do. Yeah. You want to serve alcohol, but you don't want to put out all the liquor. And it's like, we got the tacos. And, and again, that was beef with me with like, hey, we're paying this. You're trying to raise the price a little bit. I understand. But you can't have the taco people selling fucking soda and water because that's not going toward your bar. So at the end of the day, your bar number is here. And whether it's 3% or 15%, it still would count. 
right. that now right. it doesn't count. They're getting to make money on it. You know, if we generated no income, the taco people would be like, fuck this, we're not making any money. Well, they've been there every single time we've done a show because a profit is a profit. So they're making a profit. And they got an in with the bosses or whatever, so I'm pretty sure they don't even pay to be there. Like, really? I could bring my own taco guy and 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 make money off that ourselves yeah. to generate the income. I'm renting the room, but that guy, you know, their grandfathered in. Okay, you know, you make do with what's available. You talk with them. You hope they work with you. I talked again with them at the last show, and then, uh, you know, for the new contract, and, and they, they, they put the price, you know, back a little bit to where it was before. It's like, you know, we need to make some money here. You know, we're bringing you business. You know, just be fair with us. We, you know, we're extremely helpful. So, and, and they're okay with it. So, in reality, it's like, I need a better deal to go to the Silverton. Sure, sure. You know, you, you know, you're you're paying a number, which is fine, but then it's like, hey, you know, we're going to charge you four fifty a ticket. Well, that four fifty a ticket, I can't make it another five dollars. And you could, but people are going to complain and be unhappy. So you try to keep the structure of the pricing the same. Yeah. So it's forty five bucks. Well, Silverton was forty five bucks, but I only got forty of it. On top of paying the extra, you know. 800 a thousand for the room so now all of a sudden they made two thousand dollars more and then they did a bar and then it was like yeah you know can't really work with you okay make sure that uh queen tribute fucking band's gonna bring fucking a thousand people to your place or something uh well they, you know what they gotta they gotta pay the mermaids well they do yeah they're probably pretty uh they probably pretty. pay pretty well I, I heard, uh, you know, I, I heard mermaids have unions, so, you know, you got to go through them. Uh, in looking at the uh, the card for uh, Survival of the Fittest on Sunday, um, have you uh, figured out yet uh, the final component to the women's match? Yes, uh, Zamaya from Arizona, you know, a lot of people are really been raving about her improvements since the first time they saw her in FSW. And uh, I decided that a lot of the local talent, they, they mix and match a lot. So, you know, of course I could have put a Gypsy Mac or an Alice Blair or a Tanaya, but they've all wrestled Viva and they all wrestled Brittany Brooks. And it's like, you know, let, let's make it a little bit different. And that's why I brought in the Black Swan, who is getting a lot of rave reviews. She lives here. She trains with us occasionally. She was there yesterday. And, you know, she's somebody who obviously people at bigger companies like AEW felt that she had some value. She's still got a long way to go. You know, she's pretty inexperienced, you know, but she's getting a lot of great opportunities very quickly. And, you know, right now we're giving her a really good opportunity. 
So, you know, hopefully this is the start of something, you know, that she could become a regular and part of FSW. And Brittany Brooks, she's, you know, done everything we've needed her to do. She she's makes her way out here. You know, if she was booked in advance and any issues occurred with the other company, I'm the first one she reaches out to uh, about working. So, you know, she's come in a couple days early to train with our crew and get more work in. So, you know, she's very passionate about her craft. You know, I, I say it and it's, you know, in a half joking way, but it's, you know, I, I say, hey, she's our Billy Starks, you know. It was like GCW nurtured her and brought her along and, and it gave her a higher profile, which got her basically in AEW. Yeah. So uh, with Brittany Brooks at 18, you know, sky's the limit. She's putting in the work. She she wants to be at the highest level possible. You know, I messaged Gabe Sapolsky yesterday. I'm like, hey, bro, we got a big event on uh, Sunday. Know he's a big fan of the faction. I know he loves Danny Limelight. I'm like, hey, we got a lot of our guys. I got Hammerstone against Danny Limelight. You know, definitely a match you'd probably want to check out. Uh, big Fonz is probably a guy that's on their radar. So I'm like, there's some newer talent that we've been using that you may or may not be aware of on top of our regular talent. I said, Brittany Brooks is 18 years old. You know, she might be someone you guys want to check out. You know, you got, you got Zoe Stark, you know, from us. You, you got Solo Sokoa from us. So, you know, there's definitely a pipeline and there's, and there's communication. You know, whether it's Sean Davari, whether it's Gabe, you know, whether it's Sanjay over at AEW, you know, whether it's D'Lo or anybody at Impact, you know, the connections are there. So you try to maximize them. It's like, you know, I know Gabe, if he's not working for WWE that weekend or doing something, he's watching wrestling and he's always looking. So it's like, hey not only am I helping the person, I'm also helping the company. Right. Because the more named people, how do you get to be a named person? Well, there, there's a lot of talent. If I don't say, hey, check out Brittany Brooks, she may slide under the radar for Gabe. But now, Gabe is going to see that name when he reads the message. And when he reads that name and then all of a sudden he starts hearing a little bit of a buzz about this person, he knows where to go if he wants to check out some of the footage. So, you know, I don't delusion myself like other promoters do. We understand, you know, we're, a, we're still a stepping stone. Now, we may be a high profile stepping stone, but sure. that's what we are. You know, we don't have national contracts. We don't have national TV. We don't pay people whether we have a show or not. Their ultimate goal is WWE, AEW, New Japan, Impact. And if they can get on there, you know, their, their value uh, also on the independents become bigger. And, you know, maybe they don't have to work a regular job anymore. 
Right. And, you know, and it's easy. If you only have to wrestle and train to wrestle, well, it's it's way easier to get in better shape, do the things that you need to do if you're putting in a 40-hour work week just to pay the bills. Yeah. So, you know, it's a snowball's effect of, of being able to perfect your craft. Right. Uh, you brought up Sanjay. Is there uh, any uh, updates on uh, the potential Jay Lethal show? Uh, yeah. But, you know, believe it or not, I messaged Jay, and shockingly, uh, he didn't respond to the email. And then finally, he responded to the email. And it was like, hey, because he was supposed to maybe do some other show with some kind of uh, cannabis convention or whatever. And he said he's not sure they're doing that, but he's definitely going to be there because it's like, hey, I want to start promoting this. And he said it was good to go. So I called him, of course, and he answered. But it was like, hey, uh, can I call you after practice? Well, that was two days ago. So, but, you know, he said October 1st is we're booking the date and it'll most likely be at the FSW arena. But again, it's going to be one of those super shows, which it has to be, you know, Jay lethal is going to be here. And now the question becomes, there's a lot of options on the tape, you know, Chris Bay versus Jay lethal for the Mecca grand championship. We haven't had that match outside Mecca events. Uh, You know, Hammerstone and Jay Lethal, Ice Williams and Jay Lethal, Gregory Sharp, Jacob Austin Young, you know, sky's the limit. There's literally 20 guys in FSW who would really benefit from a match with Jay Lethal, who I consider one of the best wrestlers in the world. Right. And, you know, and I like the dude a lot. And, you know, despite the ghost in me, you know, uh, you know, every time I've dealt with him, he's put us over when ring of honor was in town, he would stick around and hang out and watch our show. And used to always try to get, you know, Hey, you know, talk to Gary Juster, talk to Gary Juster. And it's like, I would, and they wouldn't let him work. Like, I'll do it. Like, you know, he loves wrestling. Yeah. And yeah. those are the people you like being around. And that's why I got really good relationships with a lot of these people. Because, you know, I have literally never had Jay Lethal on an FSW event, but we're as friendly as friendly can be. And we've tried to do things. And, you know, one morning uh, on the Sunday morning, of the ring of honor show. He did a seminar at our school that we basically were at ring of honor and it was probably eight o'clock at night. And it was like, spread the word to the fucking students. And we had a really good turnout and he made some money, but he was a guy that people were like, Oh man, that's a great seminar. You know, he's helped train some of the best people. And, you know, when Ric Flair wanted to come back at 70-something years of age, it ain't like, you know, they live in the same town. Like, he sought out a Jay Lethal. Yeah. You know, and, and Jay was working a totally different company at the time. 
So, you know, maybe he liked, you know, maybe, maybe in between working out, you know, he liked the way Jay Lethal said, Woo. that's the only reason he trained with him. But I'm thinking he trained with him because, you know, he's as knowledgeable as knowledgeable can be. You know, he was one of the main trainers at the Ring of Honor School. Right. So, you know, the track record, you know, we had a recent seminar with TJP's partner, Kira, who's only 23 years old. And yeah. as great as he is, he's only 23 years old. So Jay Lethal has literally got 25 years in this business. You know, there, there, there's a lot to go over in the seminar. And, you know, to finally have him on a show, it's like, hey, maybe we do a triple threat match. Maybe we give two good, two guys a good opportunity instead of just one, you know. But it, it sounds you know, like you're doing it. It sounds like you're going to do a scramble. A 14-man scramble. <laughs> All the titles are on the line. <laughs> Um, you know, when you, when you think about, uh, those types of opportunities, um, obviously now there's a, a guy out there who, uh, has time on his hands cause he got fired this week. Uh, you, you, you got that, uh, that Joey NFT money that, uh, you can open up the, uh, pocketbooks. That, for- that NFT money ain't even close to what that guy would want. And nobody even knows if he, he, and again, what does the non-compete mean? You know, does he have one? Does he not have one? You know, you know, I've heard a million different scenarios. Well, if you fire me, okay, and my contract states you owe me $5 million, but you're not going to pay me because you said you're firing me with cause. Right. So I have three years left on my contract. You're not going to pay me, but I'm also not allowed to go work. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know the law in that situation. I can't believe they can stop him from working and not pay him all in the same breath. Right. You know, now whether he wants to wrestle again, who knows? He didn't, he, he could have wrestled over the last 10, 15 years, 10 years, whatever. You know, I always hear, kind of reminds me of uh, the Kaepernick deal. Well, you know, he wants that chance. And you see the USFL and the XFL, and they'll pay him money. You know, he if he's going to be a backup quarterback in the NFL, he's not getting $10 million like he got in his last contract. Right. But if you're looking to prove yourself, why wouldn't you go to the USFL right. And, right. and play? And say, hey, look, see, I still got it instead of just throwing around the ball. CM Punk was more than free to go work an indie promotion he loved. It's just like yep. John Moxley doesn't need the money, but he got a good relationship with Brett at GCW. Got a good relationship with Sammy Callahan. So he still does the shows, yet we know he's probably making a million dollars a year. And I doubt he's working for $40,000 to work for Sammy Callahan. He's doing it as a favor, and he gives him, you know, hey, can you afford this? Yeah, okay, cool, I'll do it for that. All right. So CM Punk, we've already seen it when he got fired. Yep. He waited for the perfect situation to make the comeback. And, you know, I read, and it was funny because I saw Kenny. I'm like, hey, you're going to get to wrestle CM Punk at Impact? 
And he just frowns like, yeah, they like, like, really? I'm like, ah, they probably only got to pay him a million dollars for three shows, you know? Because again, from what everybody said before, he didn't need the money. He saved the money. That's why he didn't wrestle. But he can go out and go to Pro Wrestling Tees store and sign for a couple hours. It's nice to pick up a 20 grand, you know? It was kind of like when Mike Tyson was bankrupt. Like, yeah, okay, because that guy didn't have money. It's a story. You hear it. It sounds great. You know, CM Punk, if he wants to wrestle again, he will. If he doesn't want to wrestle again, he won't. Yeah. You know, I read, oh, you know, New Japan, they got their tight with AEW. You think if they think it's going to be good for business, they're worried that Tony Khan fired CM Punk? If they think there's value in it, and again, is there value in it? A hundred percent, a thousand percent. But there's a, a, a number we couldn't go past right. to make money. Because you get some of these foolish people who think, well, we'll pay CM Punk. You know, it's kind of like you hear about Sting and Flair, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. Hulk Hogan, I remember calling about, talk to his agent in Mesquite because they were interested, you know, $40,000. And it's like, listen, do you not understand if you charged $100 for an autograph, okay? Right. And he signed one a minute, even two a minute, okay? That's only 120 autographs in an hour. Right. Right. How many hours is this guy got to sign, and how many people do you need to get the forty grand? Right. You know what I'm saying? 120. I don't know. Four hours to get the forty-eight grand, and that's a lot of money—a hundred dollars for an autograph. So you're probably charging sixty bucks, seventy bucks. I know with the Undertaker, they were charging a hundred and fifty at certain things. Yeah. Yeah. But. You know, yeah. CM Punk wants to come in. We invited. I saw somebody made a post. Oh, you're invited. Of course you're invited. And then when he says, yeah, okay, I'll do it for 50000 you're like, oh, you know, they, they don't have 50000 Right. Yep. So, yeah. Can you make a lot of money on meet and greets? Sure. But how many people already have meet and greets from CM Punk when he was at all in or, or uh, double or nothing or whatever right you, you know sure get to meet him but you got to have a lot of meet and greets yeah and then they're like yeah but the, the the exposure will bring to the company yeah for the day he's on the show right so yep. it, it's just like in anything the the big names almost priced themselves out, but they're still going to get it because a lot of these companies and they're like, Oh yeah, they booked him. And how'd they book him? And it's like, because they book like three or four guys on the entire show and the rest are just unknown talent that are working for, for little to no money. Right. So your budget is based on six guys. Well, my budget's based on 26 guys. Right. You know, I got a 10 man main event tag with the faction. I got Hammerstone and Limelight. I got a four-way tag match with 
Royce and Jarrell and the Bullet Club. Yeah. You know, there's name people on these shows. They, you know, it all adds up. So, you know, it's great for a guy who gets a tax return and he spends all his money on the show and he blows the money or, you know, Ed in San Antonio. He just likes doing a show, whether it makes money or not. You know, he's got his, you know, he gets his free money from his income, income tax and he wants to run a show every year. That's what he wants to do. Everybody has their little fixations. Who's, who likes to gamble? You know, who wants to go to who who wants to go to concerts? You know, everybody's got to have their vice. And for people that are not in the wrestling business, a lot of them, their vice is, hey, I'm going to run a show. Right. And when you know it's that one off, the guy who's charges 500 is going to ask for eight. The guy who works for a thousand is going to ask for 15 and the guy's going to pay it because he wants to have a show. Hey, I like this person. Oh, how much are you? Oh, you're one of my favorite wrestlers. How much do you cost? Uh, wait, I usually work for this. Uh, let me top out on 500. Because, you know, how many shows do we see that are on Facebook? You would never know they had a show unless you weren't friends with one of the wrestlers who happened to post it on the show because from the company, you don't see shit. Right. You yeah. know, I, I look at us. We post all the time. It's like, but do we post and then there's sometimes there's shows that are on locally and it's like oh they have a show today yeah. i didn't even know yep. and then there's barely any people there well why is there barely any people there it's like it isn't like some some of these shows have great talent they use a lot of our guys of course they do and they yeah. bring in people yet I haven't seen anybody locally make an attempt to run at a huge venue that holds four or five, six hundred people. Nobody. Yeah. Everybody runs smaller places. So if they do 80 people in a, in a, in a, in a little band box, that's like us doing a hundred people at the FSW arena. Yeah, it's great. We did, you know, we filled the place. But the place right. is small as fuck. Right. right. You know, when we have a show Sunday, if we have, if we had to do it at the school, it would be jam-packed. And right. it'd be like, wow, look at it. This place is packed. But we can go to the Silver Nugget and it's half full because it seats fucking a million people. You know, the, the numbers are, are what counts. Not, hey, we sold it out. Yeah, well, let's see 60 people, bro. Come on. Like, be realistic. Um, you know, the other portion I find fascinating of this CM Punk story is the uh, the statement of uh, Tony Khan basically uh, without directly saying that uh, he felt like he was at danger. Uh you know, by CM Punk's. Uh, have you ever had an experience where you felt at any point backstage that um, someone might? Yeah, a hundred percent. And uh, not often, but the, there was one hot-headed individual who would go berserk at times. 
and uh, and you survived, obviously. So I survived, yeah. So so, and then he broke down and cried after the fact. But <laughs> the question then becomes: How do you, as a uh, as an owner, as someone who is constantly interacting, uh, and and you have you know you have your your business relationship you have a professional relationship you have certain friendships out of it as well how do you balance all of that and you know make it a, a working environment where everyone feels comfortable um and you set the tone because i think that one of the things that that proved this week is that the tone is not necessarily you know the best we've seen it for the last year where he seems kind of clueless not on running the company but on how to make sure that what you're presenting of yourself and your company is the most professional uh that can be and that those problems are all handled behind those doors well AEW's probably been around, what, four or five years now? Four years, yep. And from the first day, it was pretty obvious that Tony Khan was a huge wrestling fan. Right. And then Tony, Tony Khan be became an owner through the father who had the money. You know, however Tony gets it, you know, whether he worked with the Jaguars, which I believe he did. Right. He had a lot of money, loved wrestling, had conversations, uh, put people in place. He wanted to be a booker. Now, he, surprisingly, you would think, you know, if you're a wrestling fan and you love wrestling, your ultimate dream of being a wrestling fan, that was with me, was putting on shows. So, you want to use the word Mark, whatever. I loved wrestling. wanted to be a part of it. But I also understand that, hey, I became friends with Remy. I'm going to make him the, the, the champ. He's going to be a heavyweight champ for a year because he's my friend. And sometimes, and you have to balance that. And... The thing is, you are you going to reward people who who go the extra mile for you? A thousand percent. But I'm not giving something to somebody just because. This business is all based on who you know. Right. Right place, right time. I always joke about with Impact, with Scott the Amour. Hey, if you're Canadian, you got a good shot at getting a job. Well, it's true. But it's also he knows those people better than he right. knows other people. So why is D'Lo going to push for Chris Bay over, say, Jared Diaz? Well, because he knows Chris Bay. He knows what Chris Bay can bring to the table. All he would know about Jared Diaz is what he saw on a tape. Right. Good, bad, indifferent, it doesn't matter. You don't know the person. So, me, I get a million emails all the time. Hey, I love to work for FSW. Hey, I want to make it work. Blah, blah, blah. Dude, 
just because you want to make it work doesn't make it happen. I have a roster of great talent. I have a wrestling school that it's my job if these guys are ready to give them an opportunity. Just because you might be a little bit better than, than my student, you're bringing nothing to the table. I'm not flying you in from Texas. I'm not paying for gas from Utah for you to drive six hours because you want to be on my show. I'm going to, hey, Tito Escondido hit me up the other day. 100%. So he's got a guy. He goes, hey, I got two guys I think you might be able to use. Okay. Uh, didn't tell me the name of the one because he wasn't available if we did Future Shock on the 23rd. Uh, one guy's name's Leo, I think, Canedo, C-A-N-E-D-O. I'm not positive on it. I, I've seen the name around SoCal. Don't really know his work. He's never contacted me or whatever. So Tito says, sends a uh, Facebook message to the Leo kid. Leo hits me up. Hey, blah, 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 blah. And his response was, hey, do you need me to send you some matches? Or anything. And I'm like, nope. If Tito vouches for you, that is enough for me. Right. So let me make sure I got a spot because there's always spot here, spot there on Future Shock because that's kind of the gimmick on that. And it's like, I'm going to give him the opportunity. Just like the Arizona guys. I used the one kid, Enrique Calderon, at the last show. Hey, Joe, I'm going to be coming down with the crew if you need any help with anything. You know, they're smart. They don't be like, hey, if you got an open spot for me. <laughs> no. You know, Flyboy Freddy, there's a few of them. That'll be there. And, hey, I might put together a pre-show match, and I may not be comfortable putting these kids who've had one or two matches on there. I'm right. Maybe I want to have a better match. Maybe I want to look at somebody. But the thing is, it's it's a friend business. And... Just like Dom and Hammerstone recommended class, who then they recommended Devin Reno. And then on the Santino side, it was Tito bringing in Che, who brought in Douglas James, and who they brought in Eli Everfly. And hey, Danny Limelight, where I know a slice boogie, but he 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 makes that connection. And it's because of all that for Hey, we're doing a Future Legends tournament. I know Jared Diaz because he made the trip out the year before. Hey, I got my buddy Richard King. He's really good, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I don't know Jared that well. So I'm like, okay, oh, yeah, this guy looks pretty good. Yeah, you know, he's going to be here for sure. You know, if he gets himself that way, Robert Martyr. And now you're making connections because they feel FSW is a valuable commodity for them to jump on a flight on Spirit to come on over. Right. But right. it's all friends on friends. It's, you know, I tell the story. Well, Chris Bay goes to WWE for the show in Vegas. They need somebody for a match for Davari's brother. Sanjay Dutt's there. He sees Chris. He knows Chris from the Impact stuff, from the seminars. Hey, put him in the match. They put him in the match. They see, if they see WWE's interested. Hey, we're going to offer him the contract. It's right place, right time. Yeah. You gotta have talent, but it's right place, right time. Because there's a lot of people with talent. There's a lot of good wrestlers. 
you know, I got a guy. I love wise guy. I right. love wise guy. And it's a combination. Hey, Joe, you got anything? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, sometimes it's like this guy's driving all the way in from, say, Fresno area. And it's like he's got some friends and it's like, I really don't got a spot for Nico. I really, you know, I like my grain, but I might not have a spot. And it's like now I feel bad because we're not paying you very much. And I know you want to do it, but it's like hard because I'm not bringing in wise guy to put over my students who've had five matches. He's a hundred times right. better than them. Right. So they don't, they didn't earn the right to beat him, right. but I don't right. have a permanent spot in that situation. Jordan Cruz was the same way. Great talent. Didn't really have anything for him. Came up with the thing, blah, 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 blah. We needed a guy. Hey, I think this guy will fit with Devin Reno in class. And now he kind of shifted in and now he's on most of the shows. Yeah. But him and class started at the right at the same time. But class had the boisterous personality. He had the look. He had the robe. He was doing, you know, we're, we're short heels. He's a right. guy who goes right. right to the top. And Jordan Cruz is kind of floundering. And, and ironically, and ironically enough, Jordan Cruz ends up with class. There you go, mate. Because class got in his ear, you know. Maybe, maybe the nice way isn't the right way all the time. You know, you you got to do it. I was I was watching the promo. It was funny. It was CM Punk with Triple H, and it was like you're just like me. He tells CM Punk. He said, "Except I tell you right to your face what you're what I'm going to do to you, and I'm going to step on you and step right through you." And basically called CM Punk a backstabber. And tries to go around the back door to to, to, to to step around you. And it's part of the promo and everything. But it's also Triple H. So you kind of believe it's part of what he believes. Because you hear the locker room chatters and things like that. And you don't know unless you're there. And even I jump to conclusions on a lot of things. And it's like, oh, I don't really know the whole story. you know. But back in the day, when you didn't know the whole story, when I would talk to Alex Wright... And he would tell me about how DDP got the shit beat out of him by Scott Steiner because Steiner was talking about DDP's wife at the time. Yeah. You know, and you'd hear the, this thing. I'd hear a lot of stories and not as much anymore, but you would hear them. And or you hear stuff from Meltzer or all these other guys in Fightful and the Sean Scott, whatever his name is. You know, all these guys, it's amazing how everybody's become like Ed Werder and, and the guys on ESPN with right. the inside. Every, everybody's looking for the scoop. And sometimes they overextend on it. You know, I read a lot of what Eric Bischoff has to say and the Jungle Boy thing and, and stuff. And, you know, a lot of times these guys are right about things. But they're also not right about everything, sure. you know. And, yeah, you could say that Jungle Boy, if you let him go and fired him, you wouldn't lose anything. Well, yes and no. He's been a valuable commodity to them, but they got a million guys. So as we've learned, 
when WWE got rid of Bray Wyatt and they, they got rid of Braun Strowman, it didn't affect the WWE's bottom line. It affected right. Braun Strowman. The guy was making a million dollars a year. And when we hit him up about wrestling, he didn't really want to wrestle. You know, he had a thing with Hammerstone. I'm like, hey, bro, ba 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 ba. You know what he wanted to? You know what he looking for? And you know, he was trying to do the the tag matches with EC3 and wanted you know whatever fifteen twenty thousand dollars, whatever it was. It was a lot of fucking money. And it's like, okay, are these guys even going to take a bump in a match? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because yeah. they, you know. Braun Strowman's a guy who never worked indies. Right. And you see that. Like when we had Jesse Goddard and Robbie E and EC3 and DJZ, you saw the difference. Robbie E was the guy who drove up and down the fucking East Coast on indies for 75 or 100 bucks. Well, Jesse Goddard was on Big Brother, got signed to Impact. He never understood the grind. Right. And he right. was kind of douchey about it. Right. right. Yeah. Because he never had to experience the struggle of a Robbie E, a little undersized. He's just trying to make it somewhere. Right. You know? And... Robbie was a guy initially, I remember he sent the thing, I always say, hey, about a seminar. I'm like, who the fuck would want a seminar with Robbie fucking E? Fucking Jersey boy dude from Impact? And then because of the Johnny Ferrari idiot, we ended up having him in here. And they did the seminar, and it was like, wow, this guy's fucking awesome. But so was EC3, and so was DJZ, who's now Joaquin Wilde, I guess, in NXT. And they were, they were, you know, Jesse sat in the fucking chair during the whole thing. And all those guys, it was like, it was Robbie's seminar, but all those other guys were in there, inputs, promos, whatever it was. Like, they, they were passionate about it. And even later on, when we had EC3 at the anniversary show, the only place you could see Nick Wayne versus Bodie when they yeah. did the practice matches, but... EC3 was like Steve Carino. I literally had to print up a 10-page fucking summary of everything that he was going to go over and, and, and the business and, and all this stuff. And it's like, wow, he was he was a real like professor of professional wrestling yep. that was looking to, to give back. And, you know, you're going to take that advice. So... When Chris Bay says to me, hey, there's this guy. Oh, okay. You know, I'm not ne necessarily going to make a spot for somebody. But when one comes up, I'm not going to search anywhere else. Right. And, right. you know, you can ask the guys that I put faith in and trust that if they recommend a guy who really wants to come out here, it's going to happen. You know, whether it was, you know... Big Fonz, you know, Chris Bay. Hey, blah, 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 he's going to come down. You can't use him, blah, 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 blah. You know, so from that brought, uh, you know, Remy had talked to the Jake Painter kid. He's another one from, from Rikishi School and J-Rod. And they all, they would say, hey, come down, meet Joe. That's the first step. If you're going to drive all the way down here to come see me, introduce yourself, 
be around that sticks in my head over somebody who just sends a random email and you they're sending them to a million people there's certain people who that want to work for fsw but there, there are the others like they don't even know who the fuck you are and it's right. like bro you you live in detroit I'm, i wouldn't just so you're aware and that ends the conversation like they think some nobody indie guy that might be doing well in 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 flint michigan and their indie promotion like i'm gonna fly them into vegas for three hundred dollars to just be put on a show like they're just reaching for any promoter and i like the personalisms i like the people that reach out they know who we are who we are they know who i am they understand what fsw is they've seen what it has done over the long haul and they want that opportunity anthony katina he's been in ovw now he's moving to vegas because he wants to be part of fsw and he's a good talent and he's a guy that we would definitely you know think we could utilize in a really good position you know moving forward dante king and gypsy mac they left new mexico to come to vegas they barely wrestled for me. They were wrestling for all the promotions in Vegas. Not for me, but they came here and where'd they come? They came to FSW. And now, you know, they're always around. They're always helping. You know, they're, they're always improving because every day they go into the FSW training facility. And one day you got Sin Bodie there. And just yesterday, you know, Nick Xander's there. Ice Williams is there. Braxton's there. Brett the Threats there. And those are just, Mondo Rocks, like all guys that are in the main roster, Fresco, Watson, all those dudes were there yesterday. You know, it's Kenny's class. So, of course, the fax is going to be there. But these are guys who've been doing it four, five, six, seven years that they necessarily aren't going to train very much because they're probably wrestling Friday and Saturday. But we still have a good amount of people. And then, you know, you got Sin, you got Remy, you got Cody. They're all there rolling around. Yeah. And these guys who have experience are going to be there. So when Dante King walks in, and he might be training with Gino Rivera, who's fine, but there's a lot of young students there, and there isn't a lot of guys way more experienced than Dante King, for example. Now right. Dante King right. comes here, and he's the 17th most experienced guy. So if you can't, oh shit, Gregory Sharp's here because he's 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 around, and whoever else you're training with has probably been doing it longer. So you're always going to improve. You got Sin Bodie, you got Kenny King, you got Chris Bay. He Chris Bay comes in and trains regular class all the time. Shogun was there yesterday. So all these guys are around for you to work with to get better, and that's how you get better working with people. Talking with Shogun yesterday, and that's the one issue, which isn't an issue, but there's not a lot of big guys. And I said to him, I'm like, see, what you got to understand is there's way more guys that are 170 pounds or less than guys that are 220 pounds. Right. And I said, you know, heroes, your guy, so you, you know him, whatever. But who can you really train with size wise? Because, yeah, we got the two twins, you know, they're six foot something, but they've been training for three, four months. They, 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 they can't do a lot for Shogun. 
Right. And when it comes right. to training, it, it's harder for him because most of the guys are in the under 200 pounds. Right. So for him to work big man stuff, it's a little harder for him to do. And I, and it can be frustrating because he wants to come in, but he can't always get the work in. And, you know, a lot of times the smaller guys don't want to go in there and get beat up by the big guy working on stuff and taking big bumps from a guy who's six foot five, 280 pounds. You, you know what I mean? So, yeah, absolutely. you know, that there, there's so many dynamics of everything in the school. You know, we had a good conversation talking about, you know, and, and it's the same thing. And he sees it too about how the younger students that they feel basically entitled, like they think that they should just be on shows. Yeah. And, and he sees the respect that I get from the outside talent that's excited to be there while the inside talent just like gets bothered because they didn't get what exactly they wanted. Now they get a match, but they didn't get a match that they wanted. They wanted a better match. You, you know what I mean? It's like they're, they're never – and I get it. You always want to strive to be better, but it's being a grateful motherfucker for an opportunity that I don't need to give you. I don't need to do a pre-show match to get you on there to get work for you to then complain that it's a five-way scramble. Well, how about I fucking leave you off and it's a four-way scramble? And maybe those four people will be appreciative of it. And, and you just said it. And, and that's the idea that I think gets lost, and that is work. Regardless of who you're going against, you're being put in a position where you're working. Work. That's, that's the key to becoming... A, a professional in this business is whatever is put in front of you, work it. It's simple. Don't complain. If they're going to Arizona, if they're a low-end guy, there's a good chance they have no fucking clue who they're working till they show up at that building. Exactly. And generally, it's going to be a guy against less, so who's less experienced than you who will be going over because he is the, the talent from that area. Right. Yep. And your job is going to be to make that guy look good, who in some cases it's impossible to do because they just aren't good enough. Right. And that's also part of working for credible companies instead of somebody who's who's booking you and you're just excited to get a booking. You don't do any research. You don't find out who you're wrestling. You know, I try to tell them. But again, you know, it, it it's me trying to put the thumb on people. It's like, no. You wrestling somebody who's fucking worse than you and you've had two matches, that's a fucking problem. Right. Because you can get dropped on your fucking head and you're fucking done. Yep. yep. Yeah. And, you know, 19, 20, 26-year-olds, 29-year-olds that just get started, they want to wrestle. So they don't care that Joe said they're not ready. Tommy over there said... I want to use you and I can't pay you. And it's like, okay. And, and Tommy doesn't even have insurance either. Insurance. Fuck. You don't have a business license, a promoter's license. He's, he's flying under the table. And it's like, you know, I didn't have to get a promoter's license, but I did it. It, it shows that I've like put us out there. Yep. And the business license to run. Because when you try to run in a corporate place, you need that. 
Yep. You know, they don't care that it's not necessary for me to run my business. It's necessary for them. Even though I'm going to their venue, I have to provide insurance. And in reality, it's bullshit because insurance doesn't cover a wrestler getting hurt. They're independent contractors. Right. It is for the venue. So when I have insurance at the Silver Nugget, the thing is, if somebody slips and falls because somebody spilt a drink that you brought from the place that I get no fucking pennies off of on the liquor sales, or you overserve somebody and they fucking get hurt on my show in your venue, I'm the one they come after. Yep. Which never made any sense to me. But that's the price of doing business. I have to provide the insurance policy. You serve all the liquor. You make all the money from the liquor. And, you know, I guess a smart person will also try to sue the Silver Nugget. But I'm the first person they're coming after. Right. It's, yeah, that's that's the whole thing. And you know how many drinks got spilled at Samstown on that slippery wooden floor? Yeah. Yeah. You know, concrete's a little different. It's a little better when it comes to that. You know, we feel a little safer. But, man, at Samstown, that shit was slippery. It was the wood. Yeah. And that was the whole floor seating. And for some cases, it was the whole room if we didn't have the bleachers up. Yeah. Right. So a drunk guy falls down the stairs from their bleachers, and I, I'm i the one who's getting in trouble. Yeah. Uh, as we uh, come to uh, the end here, uh, what are your final thoughts about uh, this coming Sunday, 6 p.m. Pacific time at the Silver Nugget? And it's oh, uh, let me let me run down the uh, entire card. Yeah, I'll do it quickly. Uh, we have the faction, all five members going up against Hero Lou, Shogun, Clutch, Bodie, and Big Fonz. It's a five on five. That one's the traditional survival of the fittest Survivor Series elimination match. So there's one man standing. Then we have a four-way tag match for the tag titles. The champs, obviously, the Bullet Club, Chris Bay, and Ace Austin. We got uh, the regulators taking the spot of Tito and Che because Tito got called to New Japan, and he is currently in Japan. I think he just got there yesterday. Uh, the unguided, as well as another former tag team champions, two times, uh, Royce and Jarrell, the uh, former one percent who is now known as the West Coast Wrecking. We have a four-way gauntlet match: Brittany Brooks, Zamaya, Black Swan, and Viva Van is at the end, obviously, of the gauntlet because she's the champion. So whoever gets the opportunity to win the women's championship has to defeat somebody else. So they would have to win at least two matches, possibly three, to become the women's champion. Uh, We have an I Quit match, uh, which a lot of people are looking forward to. Gregory Sharp and Jacob Austin Young. Jay Vidal, uh, along with his uh, newest protege, A.J. Avon. I jokingly call uh, Jay Vidal and A.J. Avon I call Jay Vidal Giselle Shaw and AJ Avens Jay Vidal. 
and they're going to be taking on Nick Xander once again. Okay. Uh, another big-time matchup, uh, Hammerstone and Limelight. This is definitely a match that the winner would have to be in line for a heavyweight championship match. Uh, the Billionaire Boys Club of Jordan Cruz class and uh, Devin Reno will be taking on Remy Marcel Graves, which is an easy travel for them because they both come from six feet under. Uh, they're going to be bringing in a mystery partner Alcatraz. Uh, for that match. Alcatraz, that's what I hear? Could be, yes. It might be. You never know. Uh, we're doing a scramble match. It's a weird scramble. It's, 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 a, it's a potpourri scramble. So we got Richard King who's coming back. Uh, Jimmy Jack's going to be in it. Robbie Litt's going to be in it. And... Uh, and Ricky Tenacious is going to be in. Wow. So as of this moment, there's still one more spot left for that. Wow. And I think that's it. I think that's it, right? Did I say eight matches? Yeah, that is eight matches. I don't know if I said all eight, but uh, yeah, the three singles, the women's, the gauntlet. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think that's where, I, and then we still may do a pre-show match, but we'll be fight live on fight 6 p.m. Little later start, uh, trying to accommodate the travel uh, arrangements of some people, and who knows? You know, uh, we got some surprises hopefully. And Survival of the Fittest is always a fun show because it has these different concepts: the I Quit, the Gauntlet, a four-way you know tag match, a five-on-five elimination match. And then, you know, a couple of marquee matches to go in there. So, yeah. you know, it's definitely going to be a great show. We got a lot of uh, uh, hype behind it with fight. You know, they, they, they push it hard. You know, we got talent from a lot of the major companies that are going to be there. So, you know, get your tickets over at Eventbrite. You can buy them at the door. You know, smarter if you buy them at the door, you get to you get to get a 30 second conversation with me, which is even better than the price uh, of the fees of Eventbrite. So you, you save the fees and you get a conversation with me. So who can beat that? Plus, they got tacos. They got hot dogs there. Full bar. Full bar for everybody. If you're 12 years old and you got ID, just show them they'll serve you a beer. And if you, if you get that beer served to you, and you happen to stumble and fall, Joe's covered. There you so. go. I'm the one you got to contact. Just look for me. <laughs> All right, everyone. Check it out this Sunday, Survival of the Fittest. And uh, we'll be back next week uh, starting to run down the next show, which uh, is the Future Shock, right? Uh, as of now, it looks like we're probably going to pencil in September 23rd as the Future Shock because that would be uh, three weeks away. So, yeah. so keep your eyes peeled for that as well. And we'll talk more about it coming up. And uh, until then, everyone, take care.